You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, episode 27. We have another busy show planned for you this week. To start, we talk Statistic Canada's recent growth numbers and dive into Warren Buffett's lifeline investment into the much maligned Home Capital Group, HCG on the TSX. In our Your Stock, Our Take segment, we take a question from a listener about Superior Plus Corporation, symbol SPB on the TSX, an energy distribution and specialty chemicals company, which has seen its share price slump somewhat over the past three months, despite what looked like solid financial start to the year. Is it a buy at present? We look into that. Our star of the week is from our Canadian small cap coverage, Sandvine Corporation, SVC on the TSX, which jumped another 11% this week after it received a competing takeover bid. Our dog of the week is Exfo Corporation, EXF on the TSX, a network testing company which lost over 13% on the week after it reported a loss on Friday and lowered its guidance for EBITDA for 2017. The balance sheet on the company is strong, and we discuss whether the sell-off is an opportunity or a sign of things to come. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook. Now let's dig into the show. I would again like to welcome my co-host, Keystone Senior Equity Analyst, a father of one, and a huge Canadian patriot who is so jacked up for Canada Day that he has tattooed a giant beaver on his chest. Mr. Aaron Dunn. Hello, Ryan. And just for the record, it's it's a temporary tattoo. Non-permanent, yes. Yes, yes. So, so Home Capital, Home Capital, the company, we've had this company, we've talked about it two times over the last month at least. It's been a dog both times. And we've been pretty, pretty strong with the company. Um, but just recently, Warren Buffett, the big man Warren Buffett, has stepped in and provided this company with a lifeline. And we've seen the share price rebound from under $6 only a couple weeks ago to up around $17 today, still down massively over the past year and over the past couple of years. But Warren Buffett stepping in with $400 million equity investment and a $2 billion line of credit to essentially replace the emergency financing that Home Capital Home capital announced, uh, which led to the precipitous decline in the share price or one of the recent drops in the share price. So that that's big news. That's big news for the company, obviously. What do you think, Ryan? Two times we had this as, as a dog and then Warren, Warren steps in. Did we, did we make the wrong choice? Uh, no, I don't think we made the wrong choice. I think it's a unique situation in, in that the company itself was uh, at a basic level suffering from a uh, crisis of confidence in the market. Uh, people were, there was a massive outflow uh, of the, the high investment accounts, uh, high interest investment accounts that the company offered. That crisis of confidence was out there. It was spiraling into what could have been a death spiral type situation. Uh, how do you add confidence to a company that has a lack of confidence one of the best ways is to bring in one of the biggest names in financial markets berkshire hathaway and that's warren buffett Uh, i think what you saw here is him identifying a company that wasn't truly suffering from a poor uh, book of business 
and, and he came in or loan book and he came in and adding his credibility and his name as a, a huge financial backer to this company was able to pick up the equity on the cheap and then instill the level of confidence that the market needed by uh, backing them with a, a more attractive financing. So he gets those cheap shares. Uh, the shares instantly recover uh, to some degree when he invests in the company. He gets a kicker there and you know he gets paid for uh, lending the company money. Uh, he's looking probably three to 10 years out on this stock. So a long-term investment on the company and I think that uh, this is one of those unique situations where it is Warren Buffett and Warren Buffett alone, or perhaps maybe one or two other names that could have come in uh, and stemmed the crisis of confidence, and then uh, he benefits from it long term. So it's a unique situation. So that's an ace. That's an ace that that he has in his pocket pretty much any time, if you think about it. And any time it's announced that Warren Buffett has taken a large position in a company, that's always seen as a great thing for a company. But ultimately, ultimately, Warren's not looking for the the short term bump in the share price. He's not looking for the the uptick from you know seven to ten dollars to seven to twelve. From six, the six to seventeen that that home capital has moved up. I mean that's that's pretty impressive. But it really doesn't mean anything unless this company performs over time, and that's really what Warren Buffett is looking for. He's looking for the long haul. Um, Berkshire Hathaway. Market capitalization around four hundred twenty billion right now. So you know a two 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 point four billion dollar investment in home capital. It's it's not insignificant, but it's certainly not certainly not a huge a huge play for Berkshire or for Warren Buffett. Yeah. And as we we discussed in the past, they're holding on to a ton of cash there. So this is just one investment where uh, you know they're going to they get that short term bump, but they're going to look long term, I'm sure, and hold it for extended period. So good on him for identifying that, right? Good on him for identifying. Probably a play on the Canadian housing market as well. Yeah, yeah. So let's look at uh, the numbers this week. Uh, solid Canadian growth uh, and the settlement sentiment is now accelerating that there's talk of a July rate, rate hike in Canada. Uh, so StatsCan came out with the April numbers this Friday. And just Can I just say first off that I have to say that this country takes a long time to push out uh, numbers. We're looking two to two and a half months backwards with these numbers. So I would caution reading too much into them, particularly when some of the strengths was generated from the energy sector. In April, we got to remember oil was trading well above $50 a barrel. Uh, and the first three, the first quarter of this year, uh, oil was uh, well above $50 a barrel and it looked to be recovering. Whereas today, oil is in the mid 40s, despite even we saw a strong move actually in oil up today, but it's still, you know, 46 in that range. So let's look at the numbers. The economy grew by 0.2% in April. StatsCan said this today, matching expectations uh, in the market and indicating that Canada continues to pick up speed after a slump that was triggered mainly by the oil price crash in 2014. So the trend overall is positive. This is the sixth consecutive month in April. Uh, and Canada's central bank survey of business sentiment showed that firms were feeling more upbeat, accelerating expectations for possible, or this, of course, accelerated the potential for a rate hike sooner than later in the Canadian market. Uh, now, Policymakers just in the last month at the Bank of Canada have taken a more hawkish tone, uh, ramping up 
expectations for that rate hike in a meeting that is coming on July 12th. Now, we've seen throughout the media that there's been a uh, a ramp up of an expectation of um, a rate hike on the July 12th meeting. Well, you know, the, prior to this, it was about a f- coin flip, a 50-50 chance there was going to be a rate hike. Uh, now, the the increase is just up to about 57%. So I wouldn't say that there's a tremendous chance that there's going to be a rate hike uh, coming up on the 12th of July, but I guess that has increased by about seven percentage points. Um, in my, from my perspective, uh, the housing market is driving a lot of the Canadian eco- uh, economy, and there is some rec- had been some in the first two quarters this year, a recovery in oil prices helping the economy generally. Uh, from my perspective, uh, I would wait a little before I look to raise rates as uh, you're seeing oil prices come off. Uh, there's a number of analysts out there who are looking for weaker oil prices uh, towards the end of the year. And you've seen the energy service sector and the energy sector generally, uh, which got off to a decent start at the start of this year, trend downward. And uh, if you continue to see that, I think that uh, growth in the Canadian economy could slow to uh, come off somewhat. And I, I don't think that's a time to be raising rates. Aaron, any, any take you have on that? I would agree. I mean, it's 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 especially what you're what you're saying about the concentration, the the concentration risk that we have in the Canadian economy. And, you know, obviously in the past, oil has been a, just we've been far, far too dependent on oil. Um, but nowadays, you, you really have to wonder how much of this growth is coming just from the strong housing markets. I'd he- I've heard that 70 percent of, of new jobs created were basically from Vancouver and, and Toronto areas. And you think of all the construction that's been going on and then all of the all of the trickle down of all of that capital trickling down at different services contractors like that's a huge boost to the economy and if that that slows down uh it's 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 definitely going to have a huge effect on on gdp so and certainly raising rates would raising rates would would impact that if you raise them enough but right now rates are also so low people i've heard this i've heard this so many times over the past five years there's been three or four periods where at least three periods where people were strongly calling for reversal in interest rates and interest rates were going to start moving up again and and that never happened so you know it would be nice if the economy were able to sustain a good pace of growth so we could move rates from these levels but i'm just not convinced that that we're at that point yet yeah the central bank in canada cut rates twice in 2015 um and heading into this year most uh, economists did not expect a rate hike until 2018. Uh, the growth that we've seen six consecutive quarters, this has sped up expectation that there could be a rate hike upcoming. Uh, a quarter point rate hike is really not that significant when you look at the grand scheme of rates historically. So, I mean, it wouldn't completely surprise me if there was a rate hike. Um, I don't think that that wouldn't, in my opinion, derail anything. But if you had a trend towards uh, rates hiking and like I said the strength f- there was 14 out of 20 sectors that grew in April which is great in the Canadian economy but the strength came from mining uh, and oil and gas extraction and when you see oil and gas prices come down over the second half of this year and we've seen that in the past uh, couple months I think I would hold off on uh, any rate hike 
One interesting stat that I did that we did note in these is that wholesale and retail trade for both, which uh, increased in the arts and entertainment and recreation, it jumped 2.8% in the quarter. This was, Aaron, I don't know if you know this, but this was in part because five Canadian hockey teams took part in the first round of the playoffs, and StatsCan actually mentioned that in their statistics. Of course, out on the West Coast here, we saw no bump, as our Canucks are frankly terrible and didn't make the playoffs. Well, we can hope that that's a sustainable source of economic growth, dependable and sustainable over the For the Canadian years. economy, hockey yes. always gets into the, or the Canadian, and we're approaching Canada today, so I thought I'd mention something about hockey in this country. We need that. Uh, and, if, and if the Canucks could make the playoffs, maybe we can drive the, uh, the West Coast economy here at some point, but I don't think that's happening anytime soon. Now let's move to our small cap star of the week. From our stars and dogs segment, it's time for this week's star. That would be Sandvine Corporation, SVC on the TSX. Uh, what industry are them or what do they do? Sandvine is, is in the network equipment business. They're based in Waterloo, Ontario, Canada. Um, their network policy control products are designed to implement broadband network policies ranging from service creation to billing, congestion management, and security. Now, we highlighted Sandvine about a month ago in this segment after its shares jumped 22% when it announced it received a takeover bid to be acquired at $3.80 by Vector Capital, which is a global private equity firm. At the time, Keystone recommended clients continue to hold the stock as there was a potential for a competing bid. This past week, shares in Sandvine rose another 11% after the company announced that it had received a binding offer from Francisco Partners, a American private equity firm focused exclusively on investments in technology. The, this superior, superior bid was all, all cash and at $4.15. The offer was solicited by Sandvine during its go shop period, which was about 45 days that was permitted under the agreement with Vector Capital. Now, our take from this point, the stock is now trading at $4.29, which is a premium to the $4.15 offer. This tells us the market is expecting a or speculating on a, another superior bid coming in. Now, this may occur, but it is far from a certainty, and we have advised risk adverse clients in this regard. Vector, the company which put forth the original offer at 380, now has the right to match uh, or best the new offer. The end of Vector's matching period puts us close to the end of the go shop period. So Vector has until July 6th, uh, about six days from now, to match Francisco's offer. The go shop period ends on July 7th, which after which a break fee increases to about 16.9 million Canadian from 8.4 million currently. So time is tight for a bidding war, but the market appears to believe the potential for another superior bid outweighs the time constraints. Either way, Sandvine has proven to be a great investment for our clients in 2017. More importantly, its gains this week give it the coveted status of our star of the week. So now we're going to move to our Your Stock, Our Take segment. It's, we're going to discuss a company called Superior Plus Corporation, SPB, on the TSX. It comes from a listener. Aaron, can you take that one? 
Sure, absolutely. So Superior Plus, this is an energy distribution and specialty chemical manufacturing company. Uh, the one segment energy distribution, so that provides distribution and wholesale related services in relation to propane, heating oil, and other refined fuels. And the specialty chemical segment, they're a supplier of sodium chlorate to the pulp and paper industry, and also a regional supplier of potassium and other products um, in the US, United States Midwest. The company just released recently the first quarter financial results, May 2nd is when they were, were released. Um, some of the highlights include 24% increase in adjusted cash flow per share to $0.77. Cents. They announced that they paid $435 million to Gibson Energy for the right to acquire CanWest Propane. Um, this, this acquisition is still subject to regulatory approvals, but the company believes it will be completed sometime in the second quarter. Uh, the company announced guidance for adjusted operating cash flow per share of $1.50 to $1.75 which was up due to the impact of the, the CanWest transaction. And just to quote the, the company's president and CEO, uh, he said that Superior had an excellent start to 2017. The acquisition of CanWest is anticipated to significantly enhance Superior's current energy distribution business while positioning the business for oil field activity recovery and increasing demand in Western Canada. I'm pleased with the results from the energy distribution business and we faced, as we faced warmer, warmer, than average weather in central Canada and the northeast U.S. in the early part of the quarter. So on the face value, uh, the, the financial results seem, seem to look quite good, and the outlook is positive, as, as said by the CEO. However, the share price dropped immediately after re the release of the Q1 results, and it's down 13% since then. Uh, what happened is that in spite of the company reporting pretty good numbers in Q1, they still missed analyst estimates. Analysts were expecting revenue of about $740 million in earnings of $0.37 cents per share, while the company reported revenues of $675 million and earnings of $0.34 cents per share. The miss wasn't too bad as long as they can, they can get back on track, as long as they can achieve their, the targets that they set for themselves and the share price should at least stabilize. And it does pay a nice yield of 6%, which is covered by earnings and cash flow. I do have a couple of concerns, though. One is that the historical financial performance of this company has been volatile, fairly volatile. This is generally a function of the type of business that they're in, which is, is commodity price sensitive and where volumes can also fluctuate widely. And uh, another is that the is in regards to the acquisition they're doing with Gibson Energy. I happen to know the assets. I happen to know Gibson um, because I've, I've researched them before. And I know that Gibson, these assets are fairly exposed to commodity prices. And this is one of the reasons that Gibson's was, was selling them. So overall, it does not look like a bad company at all. Financials look pretty good, although I would rate it as, as being higher risk. Excellent. That's a good summary. Now we're going to move on to our dog of the week. From our Stars and Dogs segment, it's time for this week's Dog. This week our dog is actually a company we do not cover but we monitor closely as it checks off some of the boxes that we look for in a growth stock or small cap investment. The company is Exfo Inc. EXF on the TSX. What does Exvo do? They develop smarter network test monitoring analytics solutions for the world's leading communication service providers, network equipment manufacturers, and web scale companies. The stock dropped, however, 6% just today and has dropped 13% over the past week. Why? Well, the company dis 
disappointed on the earnings front in its third quarter, which were reported late yesterday. Its net loss was around $0.08 per share compared to net earnings in the same period last year of $0.02, and those are both in U.S. figures. Now, we do note that the loss was not nearly as bad as it appeared, as it included a $3.6 million in after-tax restructuring charge. Uh, what was disappointing, though, was the company reported it will now miss its 2017 EBITDA guidance. Uh, to quote the management team directly, uh, they, they will now fall short of their $26 million adjusted EBITDA target for the year. Uh, with adjusted EBITDA of just $13.5 million after three quarters, there's a delay in spending by communication service providers. We've heard about that on some other companies we look at on a large system-based solutions and on non-profitable passive wireless monitoring product lines, which prompted the company to revise its expectation. They were guiding, like I said, for about $26 million in adjusted EBITDA. Now they're looking at $20 million for the full fiscal 2017. Now, they did implement a restructuring uh, of part of their business in May of this year, and that resulted in a $3.8 million restructuring charge in the third quarter. That is short-term pain for potentially a long-term gain because it's expected to generate some annual cost savings in the range of $8 million U.S. going forward. Part of that will be eaten up by investments in a recent acquisition they made for growth, but that is for growth capital. So they're at least investing in a growth area of their business and taking money away from a, a losing a losing part of their business where they lost money. Now, the restructuring that they're doing right now and uh, the go-to-market strategy with uh, some new products should begin to benefit uh, the company in the fourth quarter, so the upcoming quarter, but the full impact will likely not be felt until fiscal 2018. Our take right now is that Expo has a very strong balance sheet. There's about 34 million US in the bank. That's about 85 cents per share, which is around 15% of the market cap. There's no debt. Our issue with the business historically has been on a quarter to quarter basis that earnings can be very unpredictable and lumpy. Once again, this formula has played out in 2017. Now we want monitor and want to keep monitoring the company closely. As like I said, it checks off a decent number of our boxes in terms of investment quality. And there may be an opportunity here if the share price slumps further going into 2018. Now the losses this week make it our dog of the week, but we do consider the business, we do not, do not consider it a long-term loser. There is a potential for solid growth heading into 2018. So we'll monitor the situation and see if there's some value and an opportune entry point potentially uh, at the end of this year. And that's going to wrap up our show for this week. I'd like to thank Aaron again for co-hosting. I'd like to wa our, just remind all our listeners that you can follow us uh, and add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. On Twitter, we're at Keystocks, and on Facebook, you can follow us there. Aaron, thank you again for co-hosting with me. Thank you, Ryan. And I'm going to wish all the listeners, yep, thank you. I'm going to wish all our listeners profitable investing. Profitable investing.